It is Senior Recognition Sunday. I have loved Senior Recognition Sunday. I look forward to it every year, but this year is different for me. Uh, let me just stop right here for just a second. Uh, I heard there is a pot of people placing bets on when I cry in this message. Um, I wish y'all had asked me. I'd have joined you and gotten in on that. Uh, it probably won't be very far in. This year is different. More than any other year, I watched as these kids grew up. Uh, I can go back to the very start. Sarah was born on July 8th. And I've mentioned that a hundred times, what an awesome day that was, what a tremendous day that was. Uh, We were still in the hospital, it was on July 10th, Uh, we stayed a couple of days, we were getting ready to leave that day. Uh, For some reason, Carrie didn't want to go home, I couldn't talk her into it. Um, And Melanie Smith came, and it was time for Landry's two-week checkup, and she had him in a basket in a car seat. And I can still remember she bounced into her hospital room, and that was the first time I met uh, Landry. Uh, I watched these kids grow up on playgrounds. I watched them as I dropped kids off at this event and that event, uh, at the school line, the pickup line. Uh, I've seen them in band concerts and and boys and girls club games and volleyball games. Uh, I've baptized many of these kids. I remember when Colin came with the biggest smile on a Sunday morning to tell the church that he put his faith in Jesus Christ. That, that memory's etched in my mind. I remember Colby Nava. Listen to this one. He built up enough courage, and this is, this is something, to call and ask if he could take Sarah to the seventh grade homecoming. And I told him No. Now, Kobe, I want to tell you, it didn't have anything against you. It's just because you were a boy. He called back in eighth grade and asked again, and the answer was still no. He didn't know it, but he was still a boy. I watched y'all grow up, and I can think about time and and events. I watched y'all grow up. Last week, I watched y'all graduate, and really, it doesn't seem possible. It's funny how... All the things that people say all of a sudden start to come true. All the things about how fast time goes and how quickly it goes and and they'll be gone before you know it. And we say, yes, yes, and all of a sudden all of those things come true. Time is fast. And I want to tell you, in God's grace, I have been afforded the opportunity to preach to this class that I love, the senior class of 2020. And I'll just tell you, I have prayed about this. In fact, over the course of this year, I've thought about this. I've cried. And today, I I have this message for you. In fact, it's a message for all of us. And the message is this, and we can sum it up in just a few words. The message is this. Do not fit in. And that's what I want to tell you. Do not fit in. A message for our seniors, but a message for all of us today. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12, Today, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to ask if you would would stand with me in the honor of the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. God's Word says this. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come, and I'm thankful that on this day, on a hallmark day, I'm thankful that we can say you are faithful, Lord, you're trustworthy. We're thankful that we can say you're gracious, you're kind, that you surely have blessed us. And as we sit here and all of us with different memories, your kindness, your goodness, as we think about times that have passed, we know one thing is held true. You've never left us, you've never forsaken us, and Jesus is our hope. Lord, I pray today that you would speak. I pray today that this, this message would be your word, and I pray, Lord, that it would greatly impact our hearts today. Lord, I do pray for these students in front of me, this senior class. I pray that you would bless them. I pray, Lord, that in the, in the Holy Spirit of God, the Word of God, that you would direct them. And, Lord, I pray that they would be encouraged, empowered to stand in opposition to a world going in a different direction. Lord, I pray that you take them and you use them for the glory of our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray for parents here, for grandparents, for friends. I pray that all of us will be in that same endeavor. Use us for your glory. Lord, I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Today, if you notice, the call of the world is to compromise. The call of the world today, it is to concede. The call of the world is above all things to fit in. And if you watch our business life, if you watch our social life, if you watch as we maneuver through life, really the call of the world is that we would meld in, that we would blend in. If there's something that's going to cause us to stand out, the, the call is set that aside, compromise, concede, and really the, the call of our day is that we would fit in. We want to be accepted. We want to be part of the group. And whether it shows up in our goals or our clothes or our actions, the pressure is always fit in. Now, I think about that and I think, well, you know what? We like to say that we're a nation of individuals, that we uphold individual rights, and that we like to walk in our individual freedom. And we like to say, you know what? I will stand on my own two feet, but the truth is really much different. We really long to fit in, something inside of us, and it doesn't really change with the age, it, it goes into adulthood as well. We, we, we burn, we have a craving to fit in, to be part of the accepted crowd. Well, I, I want you to see today this message. I want you to hear this message, and I want you to understand, really it is a message for all of us. Again, do not fit in. You were not created to fit in. In fact, God's word calls us to stand out. And so today, very quickly, I want to take God's word and I want to, I want to show you what it says. And so we're going to look at these two verses here at the start of an awesome chapter, Romans chapter 12. Let me, let me read verse 1 again. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, 
Paul is writing to the church in Rome. Uh, This is an awesome chapter of Christian practice. And he starts it off and he says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren. Now, we could spend a lot of time, but I want to pull a few things out of this verse. Understand the first thing is the word urge. I urge you. Urge is a passionate plea. And so I want you to see, here is the Apostle Paul, here is the man Paul, and he is making a passionate plea. He's not just reciting something. He's not saying here are some religious things to do. This is a passionate plea. Another translation says, I beseech you. What that means is, I beg of you, I urge you. He is making a passionate plea. Verse starts off and it says, therefore, therefore. So understand, this is the response to something else. Now, he's going to make this passionate plea. We're going to study that. But the the passionate plea is in response to something else. And so it means this, because of this, I urge you to do this. Because of this thing, I'm going to urge you, I'm going to make a passionate plea to do this thing. And so the, the proper question is, what is that thing? What is it in response to? Therefore, what is that in response to? Well, understand, in this letter to the church at Rome, to the Romans, For 11 chapters, Paul has explained our gospel. And I want to tell you, it's it's a genius work. Of course, it's God's word, so it would be. Uh, But it it, it really is is a theological masterpiece. And he has explained the depth of our gospel. He has explained the depth of the truth of our salvation. Now listen, that's an awesome thing. The, The riches, the depths of the truth of our salvation. For 11 chapters, he is told, and he started with the truth, that we are sinners, that all of us are sinners, that we shouldn't be deluded in thinking otherwise, that we are vile, that we are sinners, that given the choice, each of us has entered into sin. Now, it's interesting, he includes himself in that number, and he says that he's the chief of sinners. Listen, in in chapter 7, he says, what I want to do, I don't do. He says, what I ought to stop doing, I keep doing. Does that sound familiar? Isn't that the lot of life? Isn't that the story of mankind? What we know we ought to stop doing, we, for some dumb reason, we keep doing what we know we ought to do for some reason, selfish reason, whatever it is, we do not do those things. And so Paul says, we are sinners. We know the right thing. We do the wrong thing. That is the lot of man. He says, oh, wretched man am I. Understand, for 11 chapters, he has told us that sin earns us a punishment. And, and, I, and I, I've said this a hundred times, but I want you to be sure to understand this. If we're not going to talk about sin, we're going to miss the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we're not going to talk about the truth that sin earns us a punishment, the wages of sin is death. That's what Romans says. We are guilty. You are guilty. I am guilty. And we stand condemned, judged already in the guilt and the weight 
of our sin. The Bible says we are enemies of God in our sin. We are opposed to God in our sin. And that is the reality. For 11 chapters, he says, all of us have sinned. And for 11 chapters, he said, that sin is going to bear a consequence. That sin has broken our relationship with God. That sin has earned us death. For 11 chapters, he has told us that God loves us. And let me tell you, this is the miracle of all miracles. God loves us. He loves us. Now, I don't know why he would love us. I don't know why at some point he wouldn't just write us off. I don't know why at some point he wouldn't say, you know what, I've had enough of them and I've had enough of this guy. But he loves us, and that's the miracle of all miracles. And listen, it's not just a word. It's not just an emotion, but he truly loves us. Listen, to the point that while we were yet sinners, listen, what does Romans say? Christ died for us. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he loves you. While we were yet sinners, when we were reveling in our wickedness, when we were marching in our sin, God loves us so much that he sends his only begotten son. And while we were yet sinners, God demonstrates his love and Jesus dies for us. He dies our death. He pays our penalty. He's resurrected from the dead. For 11 chapters, he has told us the marvelous news of all that is that if sinners will turn to him, if sinners will confess with their mouth what they believe in their heart, Romans chapter 10, that there is salvation. And so for 11 chapters, he has said, you know what? We are sinners and there's a payment for sin and the payment is death and you're an enemy of God and you have no hope, but God loves you so much. He sent his only begotten son and he's died in your place. And if you'll confess in your mouth what you believe in your heart, he has told us there is salvation. You will be saved. Maybe the greatest words we could ever hear, you will be saved. For 11 chapters, he has told us that we would be made the righteousness of Jesus. Whatever your biggest sin, his mercy is more. Whatever your biggest stain, he will wipe it clean and we become the righteousness of Jesus. We are justified with God. We are set right with God. Listen, not because we worked it out, not because we did anything, not because we became somehow better but by faith in Jesus Christ alone, do you hear that? By faith in Jesus Christ alone, you didn't do anything. You could never earn it. But by faith in Jesus, Romans 8, 1, therefore there's no condemnation for he who is in Christ Jesus. For 11 chapters, he has explained the greatest news ever heard. For 11 chapters, he has told us of the gospel of our salvation, the gospel of God's love, the gospel of Jesus Christ. For 11 chapters, he has told us that Jesus saves, that he's the hope for sinners, that Jesus saves, that we can be justified by faith in him, that Jesus saves. For 11 chapters, the good news of the gospel, there is a savior, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And following that, one word, therefore, therefore, listen very carefully this morning. And you know what, I, I, I'm having trouble with this and I see it in my own life, but I see it in our world. The starting place for this 
And you go read this 12th chapter, and it's an awesome response. The starting place is this. We ought to be blown away by the gospel. We ought to be astounded by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? We have no hope outside of Jesus. We're going to perish in our sins outside of Jesus. We're going to struggle and die and decay in that sin outside of Jesus. But we, but we have hope in Jesus. We ought to be blown away by the Savior of that gospel, the perfect Lamb of God, the eternal God, the Son of God, the Son of Man. We ought to be blown away by the Savior of that gospel. And let me tell you, the problem in our world today is we've heard that and heard that and heard that, and we're no longer astounded with the gospel of Jesus Christ. For 11 chapters, he says, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. If we're not understanding with the gospel of Jesus Christ, something is dreadfully, drearily wrong. In Christ, the hopeless have hope. You see, I don't, I don't think we understand hopeless. The hopeless have hope in Jesus Christ. In Jesus, the guilty, they are made righteous. The guilty condemned. In Jesus, the lost, they are saved. Oh, what good news we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he says, therefore, in response to that, here, here he goes, I urge you. In response to that, I beg of you. I beseech you. I plead with you in response to that. Now let me read the rest of the verse. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, I can just tell you this. I could preach for two weeks on the rest of that verse. But I'm, I'm going to make it very simple today. Your response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, your response to God for the gospel of our salvation really as simple as your response to Jesus, listen, is to give yourself to him. You see, sometimes we think, well, it's about eternal life and I've got that secured and I've got that checked off and I've got an agenda now. I've got things to get back to. I've got a world that I still participate in. Listen, our response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the savior of that gospel, very clearly is to give your life to him. In the Old Testament, they would commit sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. Listen, the New Testament is, he doesn't want your death, he wants your life. Your spiritual act of service is to give your life to him. The Bible says to present it to him. Listen to me, folks. It is to say, God, I am yours. Do what you will with me. You're going to set the course in my life. You're going to set the direction for my life. And God, in response to the first 11 chapters, I give myself to you. Listen, everybody, but especially seniors, I'm going to be honest with you. I wish I was 18 again. Listen to me very carefully. I wish I were young with the whole world still ahead of me. And I wish at that day that I knew, in fact, I wish some guy would have shouted at me, you can be given to God. Listen, you can be given to God. 
I wish somebody told me you can be given to God. You don't, you don't have to go the ways of the world. You don't have to try all the things of the world. You don't have to test those ways. You don't have to go to those places. You don't have to do all those things. If you love Jesus, you can give yourself to Jesus. I wish I was 18 years ago again and had enough sense to listen. You can give yourself to Jesus. We don't have to appease the lost world. We don't have to go and, and, and enjoy all these things and act like, you know what, Here, here's where hope is, here's where success is. We don't have to appease a lost world. And so the cry already is this, do not fit in, do not fit in. Let me read verse one again. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. How do you worship him? By giving yourself to him. All right, verse two. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. All right, now see this. Paul continues with his passionate plea. The passionate plea doesn't end in verse one. The passionate plea continues into verse two. He is urgent. This is his call. In response to the gospel, here's what you do. I beg of you, I beseech you. His, his passionate plea continues. Give your life to him, verse one. Then he says this. And do not be conformed to this world. I want us to be sure of that. This is a command. This is a command. He says in response to that, do not be conformed to the world. Here's what I've noticed. Listen, the most dangerous thing that's about to happen, and I'll just tell you, it's been happening, but it's about to speed up. The most dangerous thing that is about to happen is the world is about to try to take you and press you into its mold. And that, that's the most dangerous thing. It's, it's going to take you and you're going to walk out of here and you're going to click your heels and you're going to be free of your parents and you're going to have freedom and you're going to go to new places and maybe you have money for the first time and the world's going to try to take you and it's going to try to press you into its mold. The world is going to say, listen, it's time for you to fit in. Get out from under the shadow of those folks and now it is time for you to fit in. The word conformed in the Greek, con means with, formed means shaped. So shaped with. And so Paul says, do not be shaped with, do not be shaped to this world. I, I want to be clear in this. And, and here's, 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 here's a misunderstanding, really it's just a lie of our day. The world has its own ideas of success, and you're about to hear them. The world has its own ideas of success. The world has its own ideas of happiness and joy. The world has its own ideas of what life is. I hear it all the time, boy, that's living. Man, look at them, that's living. The world has its own ideas of what life is, and I want you to hear me, and they are not of God. 
They do not reconcile with God. They cannot reconcile with God. And I want to be very clear today. Instead, they are going to end in hopelessness. They are going to end in despair. They're going to end in pain. And they're going to heap guilt on top of you. And it's going to result in emptiness and ruin. Bible says in Proverbs, there's a way that seems right to man, but in its end is death. The world's going to come and say, well, I've got a mold for you, and this is what it looks like, and your success will be fitting into this mold. Listen, it is not of God. It is a lie, and it ends in ruin. Do you know the number one cause of death in folks from 30 down to a little bit younger than your age? It's not car accidents. It's suicide. The world's going to say, you know what, there's hope right here. And there's joy right here, and this is what it looks like, and you can thrill your soul in it. And it is alive, Satan. It ends in emptiness. We can go to the biblical record, and we can see Solomon there in the Old Testament. And you go read that in Ecclesiastes. And he ran, and he tried all the stuff. He said, maybe I can work hard enough. Maybe I can build big enough houses. Maybe I can have enough playthings and entertainment. Maybe I can have enough relationships. Maybe I can study and know all of the wisdom of the world. And he tried all those things, and he sat down, and he wept by his garden. There in the magnificent trees, he said, vanity of vanities, it's all empty. It's all empty. You read the account of the prodigal son in the New Testament. He ran to the world. He said, give me my money and freedom at last. And he ran to the world and he reveled in its ways. And it wasn't long and he was eating the filth with the pigs. And he said, you know what? It's better to be a slave at my dad's house than it is to live like this. The world's ways look promising. They will end in ruin. Seniors, right now, more than any time, people are getting ready to say, and I, and I think they're probably well-meaning, maybe. They're getting ready to say, you know what? You deserve happiness, and you deserve success, and you've been prepared to go get those things, and they're going to say, you know what? If you could just get the right job, you get the right job, you're going you're to find happiness. Or you know what, you get into the right school, and that's the school that you ought to get into if you get the right degree while you're at that school. You know what, if you get your relationships and if your relationships are right, you'll find happiness there or all those things. If you get the right bank account, if you just get enough money stacked up in that bank account, or you know what, if you get the right car, the right vehicle to drive, if you're living in the right neighborhood and all of those things are gonna be held up and this is the world's way of success. I wanna tell you, listen very carefully, it's a lie. It's empty. The world's ways are not God's ways and they will lead you to Run. I want to say this just because I can. And I want the adults to listen to this as well. Listen very carefully. Here's a fact. And I, I went and I tried to, to diagram this out and figure out if it was not a fact. But here's a fact. And I want you to hear this fact. You are either becoming more like Christ or you're becoming more like the world. And that, that's the fact. There's no middle ground. I try to act like maybe there's middle ground. We try to act like, well, maybe there's a point where we can go through this neutral area and go off to a different direction. Listen very carefully. You are either becoming more like Christ or you're becoming more like the world. You cannot do both of those things 
There is no neutral ground. There is no stall point. You're either becoming more like the world or you're becoming more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen to this. The music you listen to, you're either becoming more like the world or you're becoming more like Jesus. The things you watch, you're either becoming more like the world or you're becoming more like Jesus. The things you click on, every single click, you're either becoming more like the world, the sorry world we live in, or you're becoming more like Jesus. The people we run with. And we say, well, those are my friends, and, I, and I don't, I'm loyal, and I don't turn my back. Listen, the Bible says if you associate with fools, you'll be a fool yourself. If you associate with angry people, you'll be angry yourself. There is good counsel in the wisdom of many. Listen, the people you're running with, they're either making you more like the world, or they're making you more like Jesus. The things that you chase... You're either becoming more like the world or more like Jesus. How you spend your time, you're either becoming more like the world or more like Jesus. And here in his urgent plea, Paul says, do you see our gospel? Do you see the savior of our gospel? Do not be conformed to this world. It ends in ruin. Do not be shaped to this world. Do not fit in. That's what he says, do not fit in. He continues on and praise the Lord that he does. He says, but, now that's a contrast. Do not be conformed to the world, but, don't do that, but do this. There's a contrast. Be transformed. Be transformed. Now the word conformed is important. The word transformed is important. Trans means out across. Formed means shaped. And so it means here in its original language that we're to be shaped, not in the world, but out of this world. That's, that's really the most literal meaning. We're to be shaped, not of a, of a directing, not of a force in the world, but we're to be shaped out of this world. We're to be transformed, and, and it tells us how, by the renewing of your mind. You're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing means to change, to make new, to refurbish, or to renew. That's what it means. Your mind, your, your, what you think with. You're going to be transformed by the making new, the refurbishing, the renewing of your mind. Now, I'm about to give you the greatest advice that I could ever give any person. And that advice is this. It's boring. I'm going to tell you, this advice is boring. It's hard. It's not popular. It's not flashy. You can't sell it for $9.99. But I'm going to tell you, it's the truth. Now, listen very carefully. The only way, the only way, the only way to renew your mind is by filling it with the word of God, the Bible. Listen to me, young people. Listen to me, old people. To be shaped to be more like Christ, to be shaped to be more like God, we have to be steadfast in the word of God. Do you see what's wrong with our culture today? Do you see what's wrong with our churches today? 
Do you see why we fly off the handle and go every which crazy direction, trying to do every which crazy thing? Listen, to be more like Jesus Christ, to be more like God, we have to be filling ourselves with the Word of God. That is the agent. That is God's plan. That is the mechanism. And there is no substitute. I'm going to tell you the most boring thing ever, but I'm going to tell you it is true. Listen very carefully. You must read your Bible. You must study your Bible. You must memorize your Bible. You must hear the word of God, your Bible. And when it is hard, oh, it's hard, you have to get in your Bible. When time is in a crunch, you need to get in your Bible. When you're busy with other things, you need to get in your Bible. When you just don't want to, you have to get in your Bible. And the world and Satan, they're gonna try to do everything, put everything in front of you to lead you away from that. Listen, to be more like Jesus Christ, to be more like God, you You have to fill your mind with the word of God. Let me tell you the honest truth. 1989, about four years ago, maroon cap and gown, just like this. Same tassel, just like that. Young guy, just like y'all. I got a Bible just like you. And I remember the service. Don't don't remember two things about that service. Don't remember one word they said. I remember they handed me a Bible, and I've got it somewhere on a bookshelf right now. My graduation Bible. At that time, I had three or four others that I had accumulated over the years. Over the next few years, I would accumulate some others. Somebody gave them to me. Maybe I bought them along the way. And And if you were to ask me during those years, I would say, oh, I think a lot of the Bible, yes. Oh, I grew up in the such and such Baptist church. I love the Bible, yes. I would have told you I love the word of God. I love the Bible, but I want to tell you the honest truth. I opened it very rarely until I was 33 years old. I got Bibles. My dad taught us the Bible. We had Sunday school. I heard the Bible. I heard preachers. I had the Bible. He gave me one for graduation. When I was 33 years old, a friend of mine committed suicide. And some things in life take a different turn. And you know what? This answer did not help. And this answer did not pan out. And this answer did not make any sense. And so at 33 years old, I went and got the old book that I had all these years that I had been saying that I loved. And I opened it up and God began to leave. Let me tell you this. It grieves my heart to have wasted those years. Oh, I I needed to know my Savior better at 26. Oh, I needed to know him better at 32. It grieves my heart for the wasted opportunity to see my Savior and to have walked walked it away. What a pathetic waste of time. The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then I want you to see the last of the verse. So that, this is pretty awesome. This is a promise. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. 
listen very carefully. Prove that you may prove. The word prove means to test and to prove sure, to confirm. That's not what we would say as we think about that. I've got something to prove, but it is to test and to prove as true, to confirm something. I want you to listen to this. Your life given to God in verse 1 your life rejecting the garbage of the world, verse two, your life being renewed in your mind by the filling of the word of God, listen to this, it will result in you living in God's will. And that's the promise of these two verses. You know what, if you will give yourself to God, if you will walk away from the garbage of this world, if you will fill yourself with the word of God, the result is you will find yourself living in God's will. Now the Bible says that is acceptable to God, that is good, and that is perfect. People get this today, students get this today. Listen very carefully. This is the best way to live. This is the best way to live. This, the word of God, it is the best way to live. It's not a punishment. It's not trying to steal all your fun away. It's not a religious checkbook, a religious duty that you have to keep. It's not a test of your willpower to see how you're gonna measure up. This is the best way to live and to live in God's will. It is the best way in your business life, in your dating life, in your home life, in your thought life. This truly is the best way to live. And listen, when you deny the things of the world, when you fill yourself with the word of God, when you've submitted yourself to God, and when you live in his will, you're gonna find happiness when the world can't find it. You're gonna have joy that endures. You're gonna have peace that's found in Jesus Christ. It is the best way to live. Get that today, hear that today. This is the best way to live. So start now. Don't wait. I'm going to tell you the thing that, that's become a, a great aggravation to me, especially with this age of folks. We seem to wink at the idea, you're going to get off course. We expect it. You're going to sow some wild oats? Hey, that's what the next years are for, isn't it? That's what you're going to do. You're going to go out and try those things. We're going to laugh at it. We're going to hear the stories of all the things that are going on. That's what you do. That's what the Bible says, isn't it? Train up a child in the way they'll go. And when they're old, they might come back to it. Isn't that how it goes? And we start winking our eyes and say, you know what? We're going to give them those years. We're going to surrender those years. Listen, start now. Don't fit in. Don't compromise now. Don't sell out to the world now. You can live for Jesus Christ right now it is the best way to live it is the best way to live if you know who Jesus is give yourself to him if you know who Jesus is do not be conformed shaped to the ways the things of this world if you know who Jesus is fill yourself with the word of God and live in his will 80-year-old, 60-year-old, 40-year-old, 18-year-old. Start now. Do not fit in.
Notice the starting place. We're about done. Is therefore. And, and I think there's two things that tie into that, and I, and I want to tell you both of them right here. The starting place is therefore. You'll do those things if therefore. And so I want to tell you the, the, the two things is this. First is this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've been saved, you need to understand the depths of our salvation. You need to understand the riches, the sacrifice, the cost of our salvation. You need to understand the Savior of our salvation. And, and that's going to be a lot of time spent in God's Word. That's going to be a lot of time singing songs and worshiping and praising that we would be astounded at our salvation. You see, if this isn't happening, it's because we're not impressed with the therefore. For followers of Jesus Christ, we need to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Second response is this. Second truth is this. Maybe if it's not following after the therefore, it's because you don't know Jesus. And so I want to end this service today by asking the question, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? He is the remedy for sin. All the pain, all the suffering, all the guilt, he's the remedy for sin. He's the hope of sinners. Do you know Jesus? He's the hope of sinners. There's no hope outside of him. Do you know him? He forgives. He restores. He renews. He gives peace, not as the world gives. He gives us his peace. Don't we want peace today? Look at our world. Do you know Jesus? Bible says we've all sinned. Bible says that we've, in our sin, separate ourselves from God. We've earned a punishment. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He comes, he's born. He's born as a man, he's God. He doesn't need to do that. He humbles himself to the point of becoming a man. It says not just a man, the lowest of men, a bondservant. He comes and he lives his life on earth. He never sins. He walks this earth. He's tempted in every way as a man, but he's without sin. He never sins. Because he doesn't sin, he's able to offer himself in our place. Do you know Jesus? He's able to offer himself in, his place, in our place. We've earned a punishment. He hasn't. We, we've, we've marred ourselves in sin. He never does. And he comes and he says, you know what? You have a punishment you can't pay. There's a penalty of the price so steep you can't pay it. And he says, you know what? I will pay it for you. And so when he's 33 years old, sinless, perfect lamb of God without blemish, they take Jesus Jesus the Nazarene, they take him and they accuse him falsely. They beat him savagely. They take him and they stretch him out on a Roman cross. Listen, that's for my sin and yours. They stretch him out and they drive nails through his hands and through his feet. There he's been beaten across his back. He's had the bullet beard pulled out of his face. The Bible says and not till the form of a man you couldn't tell who he was. Isaiah says he doesn't say a word as it happened. He goes and for the joy set before him, he goes to secure our place. Do you know Jesus? He goes and he hangs on that cross and he suffers and the full wrath of God is poured out upon him. God's anger towards sin is poured out on him. He takes it and he bears it. He takes our sin. He bears God's wrath. He pays the penalty on that cross. Listen, it's not, it's not a, a picture to put up. It's not a piece of jewelry. The cross is where the penalty was paid. He dies on the cross and he pays your penalty. Do you know Jesus? But the penalty paid, he is dead. He is dead. Some of his followers come and they pull him off of that cross, pull his hands through the nails. And they take him down and they wrap him up very hurriedly. They find a borrowed grave, not one does he have of his own. They find a borrowed grave and they put him in it. He is dead. And three days later, they're wondering, 
Three days later, it seems like Satan is one. Three days later, it seems like the world is hopeless. And on Easter Sunday morning, he steps out of that grave. He steps out of that tomb, and he is alive. He has risen from the dead. The, the certificate has been stamped. The receipt has been offered. He stands as the risen Savior of mankind. He stands as the risen King of all the kings. Listen, do you know Jesus? He stands there and he says, you know what? It is settled in him. It's been finished in him. It has been received and paid in him. And now by faith in him, we can be saved. You can be saved. Do you know that, Jesus? And so when you say, well, I'm trusting him, I believe in him, it's not in some account of him, it's not in some version of him, but it is in Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Savior, the risen King. And when you trust in him, you're trusting he has paid your penalty. You're trusting that he has settled your score. You're trusting and professing now he is your Lord. Do you know that, Jesus? Because the Bible says, if you know him, you are saved. Listen, today, I don't care who you are in this room, if you've never put your faith in that Jesus, if you've never put your trust in that Jesus, his grace is offered to you today. It doesn't matter what state you find yourself in today. It doesn't matter how far you've run. His grace is offered to you today. Listen, if you don't know that Jesus, meet that Jesus. If you profess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, you will be saved. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come and I exalt Jesus, my Christ, the Messiah, my Lord, my King, my Savior, the answer for every wrong, the remedy for sin, the hope of sinners. Lord, we exalt Jesus. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, I pray that today in the presentation of the truth of Jesus, they wouldn't try to walk it out another day. They wouldn't try to go another mile, but today they would turn to you and in sorrow over their sin and seeing you as their Savior, they would receive you today. Stir in their heart, move in their mind. Lord, I pray for us here today that are believers. I pray that we would drive down a stake today, that we would be so astounded by the gospel of Jesus Christ, so astounded by the Savior of the gospel, that therefore we would give ourselves to you. And Lord, I pray for these young folks in front of me. Lord, I'm thankful for these years that I saw them grow up. I'm thankful for their smiles and their laughter, their kindness, the fun things I saw. But Lord, I pray more than anything that they have a foundation and I pray that they stand on that foundation. I pray that the word of God echoes in their hearts and in their minds. I pray that they find churches of the truth, preachers of the truth. I pray, Lord, if it's your will, they would find spouses that are lovers of the truth. And pray, Lord, I pray if any of them do not know that today would be their day of their salvation. Lord, we give all of this to you. We praise you. We thank you and we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.